2: Learn more at marines.com. Support for
0: The Spurs Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They've just launched in the UK. We've all gone years without using the right tools for the job. You could be one of the first men in England to experience their life-changing life changing Products they have completely redesigned the electric trimmer and perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and just released the new and improved Lawmower 3.0 in the UK. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code spurs20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code spurs20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. It's time to shave those balls.
3: A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, the cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now.
0: Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Spurs Show. Thank you so much for joining us finally the season is here sunday at last we face everton in the league joining me tonight three esteemed guests firstly i I mean it's a travesty and a disgrace this man hasn't been on before i'm delighted to finally get him uh making his debut the broadcaster marcus buckland how are you marcus mike i'm very well and i'm delighted to be part of the podcast at last I'm delighted to have you. You've been very busy at the moment working on the US Open, haven't you?
3: Yeah, I'm doing the night shift, so I'm basically Count Dracula. I've been going in at (laughs) 8 o'clock in the evening, uh, picking up the pieces, broadcasting through the night for any insomniacs who might be watching Denis Shapovalov playing against somebody at uh, 3.30 in the morning, Uh, but it's fun, really enjoying
0: it. Do do they tell you what the uh, viewing figures are at, like, sort of 5 in the morning?
3: (laughs) No, I think to make me feel better, I haven't I haven't been told them yet. And, and, but actually, Fair the trouble is, the thing is, Mike, you get surprised because you think you can get away with it. But if, I, I asked a silly question the other night at about one o'clock in the morning. I thought, well, I'll get away with it. But of course, somebody picks it up. And, and before yeah. you know it, it's, it's all over the Internet. So yeah. even if only one person's watching, if you if you do something silly, it's still going to reach millions the next day.
0: Yeah, there's always one, isn't there? There's yep. always one. And also returning tonight, a gentleman who hasn't been on for a while. It's great to get him back on. The journalist and author, Mihir Bose. How are you, Mihir? Very well, thank you. And lovely to be on the programme
1: before the start of the season. And, of course, uh, there is great hope that uh, it will
0: be this year in Jerusalem and not next year uh, in Jerusalem. Abso- absolutely. And how, 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 how have you been over lockdown, Mihir? What have you been up to? Well, I've been uh, completing a
1: couple of books. Um, uh, there's a book that's been ma- going to be made into a film about this um, Indian footballer who came in the 30s and played for Celtic in bare feet. Indians used to play in bare feet in those mm-hmm. days, and it's been. He go- it was called Twinkle Toes, and right. and this may not go around very well with you guys, and I hope you won't uh, take it that way. But uh, I'm helping Morris Watkins, who is to be a director of Manchester United, write his book. So right. Fantastic. Uh, which is uh, interesting stories he has to tell, you know, yeah. including how um, they all learned from Irving Scholar how to float the company and make a lot of money. Well, that, well how, <laughs> how not to do
0: it. Yeah. How to, how to bankrupt a club. Wonderful. What, what a role model. I know, I, I know, Meher, you helped write, uh, yeah. help Irving with his book. So uh, I jest. And finally, uh, returning and talk about lockdown. I've just seen some lovely pictures of her overseas recently. Abby Summers returns. How are you, Abby? I
2: mean, i'm good thank you for having me back as always always a pleasure, a pleasure.
0: and and uh you you've just got back you you went away for a while didn't you
2: i did i had a very short little break three days i went to milan um cool. needed the change of scenery after um after a very long lockdown um so yeah it was nice come back and back to work and feels like i never went away really. <laughs> and how how
0: was how was the uh, kind of lockdown over in Italy because obviously they initially had it much worse than we did. Uh they were obviously a few weeks ahead of us as it were. How was it in Milan? What what could you do and couldn't do?
2: They were great. I mean compared to here where i think everything is a bit of a shit show. Um but in Milan, you know, you had to sign a whole declaration before you even left the airport. Um, you have to wear a mask everywhere you go. um you they take your temperature everywhere you go as well. So they're very, very strict. Um, any type of transport, you must wear a mask. Uh, it's 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 a complete parallel universe, I feel like to hear when mm. you know you walk you walk back into Luton Airport. there's no sanitizer, and it's absolute carnage. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I' felt a lot safer in Italy for those three days than I did here. but, I guess life has to go on, doesn't it? So yeah, well, it's just going back to normality or something. I've just
0: I've just been given the news. My three daughters have finally went back to junior school this week. And today someone they won't tell us who in one of my daughters' classes has been tested positive. So my daughter's now got two weeks off self-isolating at home. Oh God. Yeah. Another two weeks of work I can't do. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. But uh, there we go. Well look, just so everyone knows at home, we are recording this show before England's Nation Leagues match against Denmark. So, if Christian Eriksen has taken out Harry Kane in that match, meaning Kane misses the entire season, we can't comment on that. We don't know. Uh, we don't know the score, anything like that. So, that's why we haven't alluded uh, to that match at all. But let's start. I know Marcus has been busy with the Open, Mahir's obviously busy with his books, uh, but we have to talk about, I know Abby's watched them. They we've we've they they released on Monday the next three uh, episodes of All or Nothing on Amazon Prime, and uh, I will try not to do too many spoiler alerts, but basically they focused on um, the rise of Jaffa Tanganga, um, some really good stuff with Danny Rose and Christian Eriksson both trying to push a move through. Um, those were the kind of I think the sort of most interesting things. Um, Abby, you've obviously seen all of them now now so far what's been released um what are you liking about it what aren't you liking about it
2: i mean so far i've liked everything and i've been very surprised by that because i was kind of in a way dreading it after the season we had with everything that went on um Mm. but one thing i've taken from it and i mean most people who follow me will know that i was not um a massive jose fan i didn't quite see it adding up and and i wasn't really on board with it um but i have to say i think that the way they've spun it and the way they've spun him he's come across really really well um it feels like a good time that they've put it out there because obviously with the season starting for me it just looks like we're going into it completely fresh all of us have a really good kind of understanding of who our manager now is not this kind of like media circus that comes with him um and I think, they've, I think they've spun it really well I've really enjoyed seeing the behind the scenes stuff, I actually enjoyed the back and forth with Danny Rose and Ericsson and seeing how that all unfolded and I've actually really liked seeing the dressing room, I've liked mm. seeing the team talks, um, you know, pre-match I've liked seeing what Jose says at half time because, you know, we look back and you know, most of us have probably forgotten a lot of those games because it's been, it was such a long season So going <laughs> back, yeah. yeah, deliberately, so going back and looking at them and how they reacted, you know, either being 1-0 down at half time and maybe coming back and getting a <laughs> win and just seeing like who's the strong character in the dressing room and it's funny because I've seen a lot of people comment on Larice and saying wow no idea had no idea he'd give so many good team talks and it's so silly because obviously he's you know World Cup winner he's captain and and he's an an incredible player so it's like thinking well of course he's going to be you know great at giving team talks but it's it's funny the insight you get and and who's the leader in that dressing room and who's not and I've really enjoyed it so far I think it's been far better than I had expected it to be. And I think mm. a lot of people had expected it to be as well. So without without spoiling it too much for the other guys, because I know they haven't mm. seen it. Um, but I think, they'll, I think they'll enjoy it a lot.
0: Well, Mihir, Mihir you've seen the first three. And obviously, Mahir, you've written extensively about the beautiful game. Now, unless they've kind of edited team tactics out of the show, so other clubs don't see our team tactics, I've been quite surprised by how basic the kind of directions are in the dressing room. Um, are you at all surprised by that, or do you kind of know that's actually that's sort all of that's discussed tactically in dressing rooms at half time, for example? No, I, I was aware that
1: that is what happened in dressing room. I remember some years ago talking to Roy Hodgson when he was England manager, and somebody asked him, and and he was asked this question: you know, how do you motivate? Wayne Rooney and he said listen before a matter at half time you can't tell him what to do you know I mean he either knows it or he doesn't and what's interesting but what has come across to me in these three episodes that I've seen yes it's very watchable there are some very interesting scenes but clearly this is a Jose show and it's interesting how Daniel Levy pops in every now and again you know and how you know this, this sort of chemistry between Mourinho and Levy that is coming out more and more also, and Abby mentioned Lloris, Lur- but also Kane. You know, yes. he, it's very interesting the the chemistry between Mourinho and Kane. And often, uh, before the match, just before they go out, it's Kane who gets them huddled together and says those words. You know, come on, lads. You know, we've got to do it. We've got to believe in, our, believe in ourselves and things like that. And 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 that is that is quite fascinating. And it's very interesting to watch. For instance, when when Mourinho is, is sort of giving his post-matcher analysis, to watch the faces of the players who are not, you know, who you know what has happened to them, like the look on Danny Rose's face and so on and so forth. So I, I think this has been a more revealing documentary than I expected. But, you know, what what int- intrigues me is that this documentary started at the beginning of the season. And where is uh, Pochettino? He's he'd actually been written out of the script. It's been airbrushed out of history yeah. almost, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, as if he I mean- didn't exist. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's Mourinho's show, clearly, as, as Abby said, and, and, and I take the point. They're trying to project it as this is the man who's taken over. And I must confess, I feel with Mourinho that he is, and I hope I'm wrong, but he's a bit yesterday's man. You know, um, yeah. uh, you know this is my feeling of Mourinho, and I'll be happy to be proved wrong. But um, but clearly this is his show and he's he's bringing it out. That's how he interacts with players and so on. And it's fascinating to see the tactics and the team and how they get together. And, you know, there was that famous moment that showed about how Song reacted when he was red carded, you know, mm-hmm. and him saying, why is this a red card? You know, that sort of reaction of players. You don't get that very often. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't see that at first hand.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely right. Marcus, I know you haven't seen it, but you work in television, so you know when you're putting a show together, what story are we going to lead with? What are we going to show? What aren't we going to show? What's been interesting, what I think has come across, and, and the two, two others have alluded to who's come out, who's shining in the show. It's incredible how <laughs> certain players out of Veld, there's just close-ups him saying nothing. A lot of the players have barely been kind of bored into it it's kind of been pretty much more has been bored into it now Kane Lurice um Del has been in it are you kind of surprised by and we mentioned there that Pochettino has effectively been airbrushed out of it he was you know 10 minutes of episode one this happened with Pochettino he's gone are you surprised by that or I mean you might have watched similar programs did you kind of expect that's the way they were going to go with it
3: Honestly, Mike, I had no idea how they were going to set about doing it. I was interested in listening to you guys last week and um, who has ed- any editorial power. And, yeah. and the bottom line is that, that um, you know, there is none, really. But equally, Amazon are not going to be stupid. And if they really screw everybody over here, they're going to struggle to do a similar project in the future. So I had no idea how they were going to do it. Um, I had seen little glimpses, and I've got to agree that The bits I've seen have cast Jose Mourinho in a pretty good light. And I understand Mm. that there was a bit, um, was it the last episode when his dog had died and he comes across as a little little bit of a softy And this is all very (laughs) clever. And the one thing, and and Daniel Levy, I did see that bit where Levy comes into um, Mourinho's office and sits down. And he actually almost seemed human for a moment. And I I, I don't want to be too (laughs) controversial, but I've never (laughs) been a massive fan of Daniel Levy. But he's very clever. Um, And I I guess they've crafted it as well as they possibly can. And certainly it does sound as though it's ticking a lot of boxes. Whereas, as Abby mentioned at the start of it all, I think we were all a little bit worried as to exactly um, what was going to come out and how it was going to come out.
0: No, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Abby, I mean, apart from the the check that Tottenham received for the show, uh, when it's all finished and there's three more episodes that still come out, what do you think the club will get out of it? What what do you think will happen?
2: (laughs) Uh, what do I think they'll get out of it? I mean, like like I think um I think Marcus touched on it about Daniel Levy. I mean, obviously he does split opinion massively and um for me, I I haven't taken that much notice of him in terms of him being there. I think that a lot of it, you have to think about it from this perspective, that it's obviously, they know that they're going to be playing up to the cameras a bit. Like we said, we know it's a Mourinho show. I think that's purposely why they cut Poch out, because with the first 10, 15 minutes of watching it, you did feel a bit sad because you knew what was coming. And I think that they probably actually did it in a good way, because the more they showed you of that kind of era, the more, heartache I think it would have caused watching it that makes sense so I think they did the right thing in you know kind of whisking that away what I think they'll get out of it is potentially a bit of togetherness I feel like the club and the way that the fans were reacting to the club post you know kind of at the end but just before lockdown you know it was very toxic with the fan base with with um with Daniel Levy the relationship between the both the, the both of them yeah and obviously you know that I remember the last game I went to was the Norwich game in oh, the cup, no, that, it was an that, awful that, yeah. awful game awful. you know we all we all know what happened Eric Dyer jumping in the crowd it was a terrible atmosphere a terrible night it was really really toxic and for us I, I, I still stand by that I think lo- lockdown actually came at the best time and did Spurs mm. the world of good and mm-hmm. I think what might come out of this documentary is getting people back on side not necessarily towards Daniel Levy but the fan base was very, very split over Daniel Levy and the board and also Mourinho, whether or not mm. J- uh, Potts should have been sacked. And I think that the way they've spun it, and it is the Jose show, we know that, we can see that. So I think that, if anything, it's got people kind of on side. It's got people ready and raring to go for the new season and excited for it again. When last season was just really, really long and really unenjoyable for so many different reasons. So I think it will it will benefit Spurs in terms of the fan base and coming together a little bit more. And I think it's always helpful. And, you know, they're not robots. Every fan likes to see what goes on inside the club. And of course we know it's edited, but I think that, you know, just to feel like you've had a little bit of insight and you've got a little bit more of a connection to those players. They're not, you know, just like Delhi, who goes out there and gets subbed off and throws a water bottle every time he comes off Mm -hmm. or, you know, you've got a bit more of a connection to them. So I think from a club perspective, connecting back with the fans, I think it will do them a lot of good um obviously monetary i guess that's always a plus for daniel Levy. but then i guess it does highlight other aspects you know about the fact that we still haven't signed a striker you're sitting here and they're they're only talking about the documentary or the skywalk and you're thinking well the season starts in four days so why have we not signed a striker yet and it it highlights a few other things and you see daniel levy poking around and you say well is does he usually do that or is that just for the Mm -hmm. for the camera so it does raise a few questions but i think it will benefit Spurs in the fact that it's bringing a togetherness that has definitely been lacking I'd say probably since the start, probably since when Poch left I feel like it was a very big um, kind of break in the way that the club felt towards, and sorry the fans felt towards the club and I think that this has probably helped a bit in bringing people back together and getting everyone on the same page and backing the, new, the new-ish the manager I guess
0: Yeah <laughs> no, I, I agree and there's definitely been a togetherness there, now I mean, here, obviously you've written extensively about the business of football uh great book a few years back but the business you know the business behind premier league we mentioned the top you you you, you're friendly with urban scholar you helped write his book do you think there's similarities between scholars forward thinking and daniel levy's forward thinking with how to run a football club do you also think there's similarities in some of the errors that maybe one can argue they're making um how do you think he's coming out of it so far well, I, I, I agree, uh, but Levy has
1: been a businessman, or rather, he's been financed by a very successful businessman, one should say correctly, and he sees the project, you know, Pot used to talk about the project, the project, you know, he's built the stadium one of the one of the finest in, in in the country and so on. And and talking about why they've done the Amazon, you know, this this contract was signed in the year when when we got to the Champions League final, and clearly it is marketed not just for the fans, and I take Abby's point, yes, it'll bring the fans together, but it's marketed at a worldwide project, which in a way, when Irving came in the 80s, at that time, football clubs were not marketed. You know, They were run by the baker, the butcher, candlestick maker. He, he sort of made it much more of a of a, of a, a business proposition. And uh, Daniel Levy is trying to make it an inter- international proposition where Spurs will finally be able to um, stand toe-to-toe with the Real Madrids and the Barcelonas of this world. But what is interesting is that we know the way he sacked managers and so on, the way he hasn't been able to. Pochettino was a great discovery, but at the end of the day, Pochettino didn't b- bring a trophy. And I think what he's now trying to do with Mourinho is finally get a trophy, some trophy. Remember, mm-hmm. Pochettino used to say, I haven't come here to win a cup. You know, it's not important yeah. he he to take the League Cup and the FA Cup often not very seriously. But I think Daniel Levy's strategy there has changed. He now wants a trophy. And particularly in this season, given all the cost of COVID, all the, all the you know, the impact of COVID that Spurs, you know, finally get on the trophy cabinet. It has been a very long time, as we all know. And that is a change in strategy. Now, whether it will work or not, that's a different matter. But I think we will see in the cup competitions, and and Mourinho's already talked about, you know, winning the Europa League, you know, that used to be the tin pot competition and so on and so forth. And, and you know, I think I think Spurs will definitely, in the cups, try and make a, a move to win something.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, I, I hope you're right. I mean, one other thing, uh, I know, again, Mark Shum has seen it, the, the, the comedic bits in it being Delhi uh, I again, it might be the, the editing so far all delhi has talked about is how fellow players brush their teeth and there was a hilarious one uh in one of the recent episodes what are your favorite three chocolate bars and he <laughs> went on to say how much he detested the bounty bar it'd be very, very funny next season if rival fans start throwing bounty bars <laughs> at delhi and it might be quite good but anyway there's there's three more episodes to go of that series now Marcus uh turning to you it's your first show mm. so we always like to ask uh people making their debut can you remember your first uh, game first time you saw Tottenham play and where yes. does your love of Tottenham and where does your love of Tottenham come from
3: okay uh, well first of all my love of Tottenham is that um I've got a big family and it was a little bit split down the middle one half was Tottenham um on my mother's side and on my father's side it was Chelsea. And oh. my my half brother, when I was about six, who was a massive Spurs fan on my mother's side, said, if you uh, I was one minute I said Spurs, next time I was going Chelsea, I was a very confused little boy. Um, <laughs> he said, if you ever say Chelsea again, I will never speak to you again. And uh, so mm-hmm. under severe coercion, I, I became a Spurs fan. And the very first game I went to, uh, I can clearly remember it was the 27th of December 1977, a mighty game. In the second division against Mansfield Town, which we drew 1 1, uh, and John Duncan scored for Spurs. I don't know who scored for Mansfield. Uh, but that was, an uh, you know, I, I, I'd obviously known about Spurs. I remember watching them get relegated the season before and, and it was just heartbreaking. And, and, you know, there was a cloud over our family. How could Spurs possibly get relegated? And then the excitement of those games against Bolton in that promotion season. And I think we yeah. finally went up after a goal straw at Southampton. I dropped my radio when the final whistle went. It was, it was, that's when I got going. And then, of course, that summer, we signed the two Argentinians and we moved up an extra gear. And, and then, my golden period, Mike, was a couple of years later when I was just old enough to start going to games. And between 1980 and 1984, which obviously was a fantastic period under Birkinshaw, yeah. I became obsessed with Steve Archibald in particular. And uh, from then on, there was there was no going back.
0: That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful to hear. It's it's you know it's so much luck about. You know, when you're born and when you follow Tottenham, because you were lucky. I'm, I'm pretty the same age as you. I remember all those seasons, whatever. I really feel sorry for the people who sort of grew up in the sort of 90s period. Yeah. The sugar <laughs> years, <laughs> yes. when they had to sit through Christian Gross as a child and watch that stuff. That would probably put you off football for life, let alone Tottenham for life. Um, yeah. But let's move. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about uh, the present team and the games coming up after this very short break. cooler kings are made in limited numbers
3: yet highly affordable check them out now on the web
0: at cooler.bike or find them on instagram with hashtag cooler cooler.bike e-bikes that are cool af and we're back from the break and uh, just a bit of housekeeping before we start uh, don't forget uh you can become a spur show season ticket holder getting you into all our monthly live events with lots of tottenham legends uh our next event is september the 30th with martin shivers uh third time martin's been with us uh it's 10 pound a month for two tickets for each event it's like a five reach go to season.spurshow.net sign up and you can come to all our monthly events and also if you want additional Premium Spurs show content, including a daily Spurs news show, match reports, interviews with ex-players and much more, including some great uh, documentary series on Tottenham. Go to patreon.com Spurs show. Right, Abby. this Sunday, uh, we kick off the season uh, home to Everton. They've just announced uh, the Premier League that they've relented. Now all Premier League matches in September will, will be shown live by one of the channels. I know the Tottenham Hotspur Trust have been one of the main football supporter trusts that have been really key in, in uh, getting that rule changed, which is good news. Our first two games were going to be live anyway. Uh, Everton, not a bad first game to start with, surely.
2: Yeah, not, not too bad. Um, I think we're quite evenly matched when it comes to Everton in recent seasons. So it always kind of bodes like a pretty even average game um i mean bar that one last season obviously when you know so the the andre gomez issue and obviously Song yeah. was involved that was kind of the only one i can think of that had kind of fireworks of recent years um but look it's a good start obviously they've just signed james rodriguez um, i think they signed Decoré yes. today or they're about to sign Decoré. so they've obviously strengthened um we've obviously strengthened in certain areas <laughs> certain, as well
0: certainly in, in yeah. certain
2: areas. Um, so it should bode well. It should be a good game. All I want to see is three points. I want to see them come out. And, you know, without going into what Jose said too much in that documentary, we all know what we want to see from the team, you know, without yeah. saying that word. We want that bunch of them. So we want to see them come out, them look like they're hungry for it, going for it. They're fully fit. They've had a bit of a rest, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, but we actually want quite a good run. To, towards the end of the Absolutely. season, funnily enough, Absolutely. so it, it kind of yeah. came at a bad time for us because we were just getting a bit of momentum. You could see the kind of, you know, way Jose was setting up to play. So hopefully, mm-hmm. we'll just carry on that momentum and, and yeah. take all three points. I think for us, it will be really important to start the season strong because obviously last year, we even though we were in and in and around the top four, I think it was always just a little bit too much, especially yeah. with the injuries. So starting the season strong will be really, really important for us. Um, and I think, I can't remember who mentioned it earlier, but about the Cups and I think the desire to win a trophy this season. For me, that is where my heart lies this season. It's mm. been far too long without a trophy. Exactly. And the, 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 the importance was taken totally off it, you know, onto Pochettino. And we obviously bought into the projects and there were so many factors That were going against us as to why we maybe couldn't compete, you know, in in multiple cups and things like that. You know, being away from the stadium and not having the squad depth and and things like that. But for me, at the end of the day, you want to win something. You know, the only trophy we've won was 12 years ago under quite possibly one of our worst managers ever. And (laughs) as a player, you know, for me, this is really make or break when it comes to a, a, a player like Harry Kane you need to let him win something. He deserves to win something. And if it's not going to be with Tottenham, then come next season, you have you have to let him go because he deserves to win everything. So we need to start the season strong. We must win a trophy this season. For me, it is the most important thing. It's imperative. And whether yeah. it be a Carabao Cup, whether it be the FA Cup, there is no. there should be no disrespect when it comes to a Carabao Cup because it's still a domestic trophy. And I think that what's happened is Because over the course of the years, obviously, the bigger teams love to, you know, tinker with the squad and things like that. It it should be, we should be going full force for it. And Jose wins everywhere he goes. So we don't want to be the only club that's never won anything while he was the manager. Regardless if he's past his prime, he can still do a job. So I think that this season should be where our focus is. Obviously, keep an eye on the league because it's not out of the realms to finish in the top four. But for me, it would be quite difficult with the clubs around Spurs strengthening, especially clubs like Chelsea. Um, obviously United have strengthened quite a bit. Um, you know, they, they were looking good at their back end of last season. And it's not really just about, you know, four or six teams anymore. You have to count in the Evertons, the Wolves, the Sheffields, uh, you know, they they give you a good run for your money. So it's not and, and Leicester, of course. So you don't have to just look at the top. For standard teams and try and worm your way in it's very very competitive now so for me a win sunday is a must you know get off to a flying start but at the end of the season i want to see us win some silverware i think it's so important for the club
0: absolutely Mahir. are you pleased with the kind of transfer business we've done so far in the transfer window do you think these new additions are really going to help the way that jose plays or do you still think we're lacking in certain areas I think the, the two big questions are that
1: um, Mourinho at Spurs has, has is not the Mourinho we know in this sense. Spurs leak goals. If you see the first match, you know, when he took charge... We were leading West Ham, and in the end, we were holding on. And and even after the restart, um, um, uh, following um, uh, um, COVID, um, we were still leaking goals. First one, first match against Manchester United, we led, and then we lost the match. Now the question is, will he have plugged the defence? And I haven't seen anything here that he has signed who will who will really hold his defence up. And the other thing is. Who is going to drive the midfield? We know the problems with our record signing, the Domble, you know, and clearly from wall that one hears, um, he's probably on his way out. So who is going to actually lead that midfield? I would love to see us win against Everton. Actually, Everton is quite interesting. Carlo Ancelotti, like Mourinho, very successful a manager, um, won, the, won the league here and so on. And I think he's had time to mould Everton. And I think Everton, and Everton gave us a hard game after the restart, which was only a few weeks ago if you remember, because of this strange year we've had. And And I think Everton will be quite a challenge um, and we, we, if Mourinho can can somehow have found the way to make sure that we don't concede goals, then we do score goals. And I mm. agree with Abby about Kane. Kane increasingly, when you look at him, he has that look of of wanting desperately to win. And yet I feel, and maybe I'm I'm mind-reading and all that, that, you know, he's probably not too far away from going if we don't win something. And this yeah. is one of our finest forwards we've had for a very, very long time, you know, in in, in, the, in the class of Jimmy Greaves and so on. And that would be such a tragedy. So if Mourinho can somehow make sure that our defence and our midfield shows up the, the back, then maybe we will actually go on to win something, and even in the league, I don't expect us to challenge Liverpool or Manchester City. That is that is like fantasy come true. But who knows? You know, you can always fantasise before the season starts. But you know, but nevertheless, it, it, it is possible, and that will be the first match. Will be the big test as to how well Mourinho has always said he hasn't had a preseason. Now, of course, because of COVID, you haven't had a proper preseason anyway. But whether he he's by now able to instil. His, his methods and his ideas into the team, that will be the big revelation.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I totally agree. Marcus, what are your feelings on this current squad? I mean, obviously, well, you know, when we keep seeing, i mean saying this for years and years and years, we still need uh, a, a decent backup striker. But are you pleased with the players he's brought in. Can you see us doing anything next season with this, with this current squad?
3: Yeah, I I'm, I'm quietly encouraged. I think Joe Hart's signing raised a lot of eyebrows, but you know what? I think we, we need a really reliable backup goalkeeper, especially, and I agree with me here and Abby, we're going to take the cups very seriously. That was Pochettino's fatal flaw. And it's the big problem with the project and all the rest of it. Yeah. We've got a magnificent stadium. I just want to win something as well. Like Abby, I remember going to those two league cup triumphs. Our last successes under George Graham. And Pandey Ramos. That's all the, that- really matters as a Spurs fan or any fan, I think. So having a, a really good backup keeper, I think Hart's got a lot to prove and will prove he's still a good keeper. Doherty's a fantastic signing. I think Hoybier's is going to help to make the midfield click and hopefully if Ndombele is given another chance bring out the best in him. We do need another striker and I keep reading about Coutinho as well and the fact that Kuma now wants to keep him at Barcelona but I'd love, I know hes you know he's got some history as it were but i'd love somebody like a coutinho just to give us that extra little bit of flair but of course with mm. daniel levy in charge we won't make the final signs <laughs> <science> until five <laughs> seconds before the uh, well,
0: transfer the fifth of fifth of october exactly for the, day before the uh, closure i mean abby i think you you were probably aware at the weekend and, and lucky enough not to sit through our kind of final pre-season match which was a defeat at Vicarage Road, two uh, one against Watford, um, and I know you can't. Uh, I mean, every season where we've done well in pre season, we've started the season well, so I'm not. I'm not putting much on it. However, uh, um, as as Marcus said, there creativity wise against Watford with no Kane up front, we looked pretty poor, and that to me is is my why I'm. I'm still and I know Spurs fans will shoot me down for this I'm still not convinced yet of the best position to, for Giovanni Lo Celso. uh I, I agree with Marcus I still think we need something going forward which can take our breath away that we've had over the years that I think in a tight game we still don't have and I'm still extremely worried um you know <laughs> about the kind of fullback and even the centre-back positions
2: mm. I totally agree with you. I think that the biggest issue is that we haven't actually replaced Christian Ericsson. And in order to replace Christian Ericsson, you have to spend money. Um, and it was interesting in the documentary, you know, Daniel Levy saying, you know, that we'll let you go for 20 million because of the situation we're in. And that's a steal for Inter. And obviously it's not really working out for Ericsson, But to get a player of Ericsson's quality, you need to spend money. And unfortunately, we don't have a board that likes to really dig deep and do that. I totally agree um, with, with both the guys in terms of Coutinho would be perfect for us in, in, in filling that void. I think we want Lo Celso to fill that void, but I don't necessarily know if he is, I don't think that's his best position. I, I'm not entirely sure where his best position is, but I do actually quite like him. Um, I think that it's going to be very tough without having a playmaker, without having someone that can, you know, kind of connect the dots. Um, and, yeah. And also the fact that again, like we what like we said, we haven't got a backup striker. So you take Kane out of the team, you're then reliant on Lucas Moura, reliant on Son. But that isn't their best position either. You know, playing through the middle and playing up front. So you have to try and sign someone. And I've got this, I've got this feeling that Troy Deeney will be the striker to come in. And that's only because a friend of a friend has has alluded that that could be a strong. Possibility. Now, I'm sure that's not anyone that was on Spurs' wish list. Um, you could kind of see it as a typical Jose target man, I guess. Not really going to set your world on fire. Not probably what we wanted. But for me, it's it's finding someone that can do can do that in midfield and fill Ericsson's boots. And also, you know, the right back situation. I think I think Doherty's a great signing, or however, however we say his name, um, great signing. But I think we need more. Um, there's obviously going to be quite a lot of expectation on Jaffa Tanganga. And I think we can all say we really like him and what we've seen so far. And we've got good expectations for him and where we want him to be. Um, But it's a lot of pressure to put on, you know, a 20 year old to come in and kind of fill the boots, you know, Jan's gone now. So we've got Toby, you've got Sanchez, whether he'll, you know, he likes playing dire at the back. I'm not sure if that's going to kind of block out the goals. Um, so i don't know it's going to be really interesting because again like i think mahir said that it's even though he has had a pre-season it's a very short lived pre-season and he's not going to get the transfer budget he would have liked and if he thought at united they didn't spend big he's in for a shock now because it's a totally different setup when you come to tottenham um but look the window's still going on and I think it's all dependent whether or not we sell and by the sounds of it whether we sound or, uh, whether we sell Aurier. but you have to think for a club of tottenham size it really should never come down to the fact you have to sell mm. to buy and exactly. that, that's that's. That's mm. kind of what rubs, I think, fans up the wrong way. And you sit there and you say, "Okay, well, Callum Wilson, she's gone to Newcastle for twenty million. He'd be, a, 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 you know, a perfectly good backup striker to Kane. You know, he he's, he gets goals. He's proven in the Premier League for twenty million. Why have you not gone and signed him? Why would you rather hold out for a thirty-three-year-old Troy Deeney and you know get him for I don't know, twelve million for the sake um, of eight million? Just spend the money.
1: But uh, can I uh, come in, sure. Mike? Yes, yes, please um, do. I think a lot will depend. Uh, on a player uh, that Mourinho spoke about when he first came. Do you remember that comment he made about Deli Ali? Is it you or is it, are you? Is, yes, is it your brother? brother? And yeah. you know, Deli Ali has not, in the last year, produced the form. I mean, let me take you back to that night, first of November, 2017, when we beat Real Madrid 3-1, and Deli Ali scored two goals and Erickson one goal, and that was one of the best performances of the Poch yeah. era. You know, our yeah. first victory over Real Madrid, we really showed what we could play. And that was, you know, absolutely brilliant Spurs. And Delhi Ali, if he can reproduce that sort of form, and you know, he he hasn't in the last year. If he can do that, then he could be the key. Because you know, apart from Ericsson, what we have also missed in the last couple of years is Musa Dembele. You know, Musa mm-hmm. Dembele was a fantastic player. He, he he if he got the ball, you could never get get the ball off him. And that has been mm-hmm. one of the one of the Spurs' problem in midfields, Not. Often able to, they have a lot of possession in in statistical terms, 60%, 70%. But they're not able to make anything of the possession in the way they could in the best years of Pochettino, and that Absolutely. is what Mourinho needs to uncover and unlock. And whether uh, Pierre Emil uh, Hosberg, is that how his name is pronounced, produces that midfield drive, I, I don't know you know, it's hard to say. Maybe he will, maybe he will not. And as you say, with Celso and others, you know, they're still sort of fitting in. They don't look like players
0: who could take you to a trophy, let alone a title. I agree, Marcus. I mean, the other two guests, uh, I I agree, Marcus. There's the whole thing about, oh, we always get to a stage in a a transfer window when everyone keeps telling us. We don't know if it's true. Levy never says it, but it sort of leaks out that we have to sell before we can now buy now obviously Cameron carter vickers nine months left of his contract i can see him going foyth has been linked with leeds he's been linked with villa Royal today aurier has been linked with various clubs gazaninga has been linked with various clubs undombele's been linked with various clubs but we're not going to get our money back on him and then uh, and what do you think about troydini because when you look marcus at the game's coming up apart from the league games we've got Plovdiv in the europa league Orient or Plymouth in the League Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Romanian or Macedonian team in the Europa League. Uh, possibly another League Cup tie uh, in September. Surely these are the games where you'd actually, you, you'd probably want Troy Deeney starting yeah. one of these games. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's all very glamorous lineup, isn't it, at the start of the season. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would not You be want to averse, go there? I, no, not particularly. <laughs> I would not be averse to getting Troy Deeney in. The big question, the point I, I'd like to, Raise it, and it's it's off the back of what me here said earlier. Daniel Levy runs the club, but he is financed by a billionaire, a billionaire that I have never heard give an interview. And I, mm. more than anything, want to know what the vision is. We hear about the project, yeah, we this stadium is magnificent, but what is the vision for Tottenham Hotspur as a football club on the pitch? And when they look back over this period, if we don't win any cups in the next two years or so, and the, the team breaks up and Kane goes, do they consider? it to have been a success or not I, I don't know why we're always the nearly club Chelsea mm. is spending big Liverpool spent big on the right players you've got to do that we don't do it and that is why unfortunately we never win trophies we've got a better chance maybe of winning the League Cup or the Europa League this time because Mourinho will take them much more seriously than Pochettino but there's a fundamental flaw guys I think in the way the club is run and it does my head in
0: Yeah, I I mean, you say it it takes it seriously, but Abby, I mean, I'll I'll go back to you mentioned that Norwich City game. It was awful. And and I know it hasn't been covered much in the series yet, but I don't think I don't think the players or Jose took that game against Norwich seriously. Uh, A team that finally got relegated. I think we went out on penalties to them. We, we, We didn't deserve to win win that night and and as, as jose said come on guys win this we're quarterfinal the fa cup and the players didn't do it now you could argue they were tired the squad isn't big enough but again you then go back to recruitment and you you know you know every major premier league club must have two top players in each position my argument is we don't we certainly we only have one strong centre forward in the whole club. It, it, I mean, it's it's still laughable, isn't it? When this mm. this still happens.
2: Absolutely, it's it's that that constant battle with yourself when you want to try and think positively about it, mm. but you you constantly come back to the fact that you have you know not necessarily the chairman because he is essentially just a mouthpiece but you have a board and you have joe lewis who has got no interest in investing in that club on the pitch and it's so frustrating because when you look at the foundations of the club the best training ground you know quite possibly in the world the best stadium quite possibly in the world you've got all the fundamentals to have ridiculous amount of success with that club which will ultimately breed you more money but i i just view it as they're building the club in this way to sell the club. And obviously, I think Corona is not going to really help them in that way. No, but absolutely. I think that that's that's the direction they were going in. And maybe this has taken a little hit. But. I did an interview with Harry Redknapp a few months ago and he said during his entire time at Tottenham, Joe Lewis hardly came to any matches when he was in London. He had no interest in investing in the team and it was quite eye-opening for a former manager of the club to sit there and say, you know, I, I barely saw Joe Lewis in, in the four years I was at Tottenham and yeah. things like that. So it's it's fundamental because it, it starts from the top. So you'd have to hope that one day they will sell the club and one day you'll get an owner that wants to invest and have success because you can only have success if you invest in your team on the pitch is all very well and good having all the facilities. But Mm. I I think Pochettino said it at the end of last season, you can have a beautiful house, but if you've got, you know, shit furniture, Mm. then Mm. it's, it's, it takes the value off of the house because then you have to, you you have to rebuild it all. And we've needed that rebuild for so long. And we've got to the point now where, you know, we have good individual players, but in terms of actual squad depth, we don't, we don't have quality in each position. We don't have quality in depth. So when you have injuries like we had last season, to Kane, to Son, uh, to Lloris, uh, and and various others, to Soko, you know, you see the cracks start to show. And we never replaced Mbele, I think, as Mihir said. We haven't replaced Ericsson yet. And we have one centre-forward. I I find it unbelievable that a club the size of Tottenham has one centre-forward, you know. Mm -hmm. And whether it comes out, you know, there's plenty of... You know, even average or above average strikers who can do a job that can come in and sit on the bench and would happily take, you know, 70, 80 grand a week just to be at a club of Tottenham stature. I don't believe for yeah. a second there isn't. So it, it comes down to what What does it come down to? Does it come down to Daniel Levy? Does it come down to the, the board? Does it come down to the owner? Because it certainly doesn't come down to the manager. Because I don't believe that in the five years, five and a half years that Pochettino was there, he did not bang on Daniel Levy's door constantly for reinvestment in that squad, especially may how hear, many times he's there. Hear, Let me ask yeah.
0: me here this because. Uh, this was one of the interesting things in um one of the recent um episodes of all or nothing Daniel levy said to camera the fans don't realize how difficult transfers are the fans are deluded they think it's really really easy it's very very difficult a you 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 need to have you need to find a player that wants to come uh whose, whose agent wants the, uh, a player to come to the club uh you know he said there's so many moving parts in a transfer but why we still to be one of the only clubs that just don't get things done and get them done quickly? Yeah. Yes, we've got Holby in quickly. Hearts, one can argue, you know, fair enough, Doherty. But here, any, any strikers out there that you'd go for about Josh King, Bournemouth, uh, uh Abby's already mentioned. Surely they could come and do a job from the bench. Absolutely, but you know, I've
1: spoken to Premier League chairman, and they dread dealing with Daniel Levy. First of all, he takes it to the wire. Secondly, he will deal with the club and say, we want this player, right? And you know, he then he'll say, but you know, three years ago, we signed a player from you and we did this deal. Can we unpick that deal, you know? And then, you know, and he will talk numbers and so on. And they they say, if you talk to Daniel Levy, he absolutely blows your mind. You don't want to deal with him. So, you know, in, in right. a way, the moment Daniel Levy picks up the phone, the other chairmen are dreading it. But, you know, the, the Irving scholars said to me, and this is a good point, he said, it's not how much money you spend, it's what you spend it on. And Marcus said, we are the near, nearly club. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the season 84-85, when we should have won, Everton won that year, we should yeah. have won the league. And the point is that the manager wanted to. towards the, and in those days there was no transfer window you could sign till the almost till the end of the season, he wanted Gary Lineker from Leicester. And Leicester wanted a million. And Irving Scholar didn't want to pay a million because he thought, and had he got that? You know, right. Tottenham, who were actually in the lead position, would have actually yeah. gone on to win the league. And that mm. has always been that story. If you like, you know, players say, Oh, history doesn't matter. But I think that history weighs down on the club, and it is not helped by the way Daniel Levy does his business.
3: Exactly, he, exactly. He wants Marcus.
1: to buy young players which he we can trade on. You do not oh yes, of course, you know, the famous saying you don't win anything with, with with the young players. But that's a different situation than for Alex Ferguson and Manchester United. The fact is, if you want to to win, you want to get the right players and 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 mould them into players who could win. Look at look at what uh, Jurgen Klopp has done with uh, Mohamed Salah, you know, who didn't work at Chelsea under Mourinho, but then you know he brought the right players in. It took time, but he did it. And I remember when he came to um, Liverpool, uh, Franz Beckenbauer telling me that he will do all right because he can he can he knows what you want to do, how he communicates with the players. And yes, I I hope Abby is right and Mourinho can still produce the old magic. But with Daniel Levy in, in, in tandem, I'm not sure that no. that, that, that duo can, can produce it, not because of Mourinho so much, but because of the way Levy handles these
0: transfer negotiations. But, Marcus, a glimmer of light, I and mean, it happened last week, uh, there has been a, a change of the directors at Tottenham. Uh, Trevor Birch, who obviously was CEO at uh, Chelsea and Lee and and more recently swansea city he's come in uh steve hitchin who's been on the show uh, been on the um documentary show uh he's sort of been elevated as well do you think this might mean that other people now start doing the football deals because i've also heard exactly the same stories mm-hmm. that me has just told That certain as soon as i i was told the story that. Like in any industry, we've all got mates who work in the same industry. They might be rivals to you, but you can pick the phone up and go, all right, Marcus, do you know so-and-so who's commissioning editor at so-and-so? Oh, yeah, no problem at all. I've been told, no, Daniel doesn't have any friends who are chairman. They don't work together, they don't help. So as soon as he rings up, they immediately are on the back foot. And of course that goes against when it comes to deals, because there's no willingness to to, let's be fair here because apparently, allegedly, he will keep tinkering and changing the deals. Do you think this slight movement upstairs might make a difference?
3: Well, I hope so, but I I, I doubt it somehow. I mean, you, you quoted him just now in the All or Nothing where he said uh, the fans have no idea how difficult it is to to get players in who want to come. Well, for a start, I think a lot of them don't want to come because of Daniel Levy. They'll have heard how <laughs> difficult he is to, you know, you, you, we've heard stories about with Ericsson and all the rest of it, how their contracts and negotiating those have been a nightmare because of Daniel Levy. So I hope some of the internal restructuring uh, will have a beneficial effect. And it's funny, though, how, how this does go back because um, Mahir mentioned Gary Lineker. I thought this summed up Spurs back in the late 80s. If I've got it the, way, the right way around, Lineker and Chris Waddle together would have been a sensational mm. double act. But, of course, we sold Lineker and then bought Waddle. And that kind of sums up Spurs. You've got one part, but you, you never bring in the second part to fully utilise what you've got. And and it's been a, a recurring error. Yeah. We brought we well. bought,
0: bought Lineker in. Um, he joined mainly because Waddle was there and then Waddle was sold to Marseille because we were obviously in financial difficulty. So we never got the
3: benefit of those two combined. Correct,
0: correct, yeah Well look, guys, we're we're running out of time here, let's have a quick prediction. Abby, your score prediction for Everton on Sunday Uh,
2: I think it'll be 2-1 Spurs
0: I'll take that. Mihir, what's your prediction Well, um, I'd I'd
1: like to see a 3-0, but I think 2-1 would be a very good result. Another 2-1. Marcus, your prediction? I think we're going to keep a clean sheet and we're going to win
3: 2-0 because Everton are are even worse than us, fortunately, in (laughs) terms of ambition and everything else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go 3-1 Spurs. uh, A decent start to the season. Oh, look, thank you so much, uh, all three of you. Abby, Meher, and Marcus. Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely get you on again. You. Uh, next week, we've got Julie Welsh back on the show. I've uh, got a wonderful new book out called Fleet Street Girls. Uh, Richard Serling, the wonderful Northern Soul DJ, comes back on. And from Haymarket Publishing, uh, the editor Simon Cantor returns. Uh, so check us out next week. Until then, Abby, Mihir and Marcus, thank you so much. And for thank those you. of you at home, Pleasure. come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.
1: Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're
0: going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports
1: Social Podcast Network.